0: Hello, my friends, welcome to the Innovative Economy, where we'll discover the future of money, markets, and payments, and how to thrive with the new financial technology. We have a special guest with us today, Charles Beauvert. Welcome, Charles.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're glad you're here. Charles is a financial writer and consultant and author of over 500 publications and is currently contributing with Forbes magazine. And uh, Charles, you're also a holder of Litecoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethos, and EOS as well. So welcome to the show. We got lots to talk about.
1: Yes, that's absolutely right. I do hold all those digital currencies. I should probably note I write for the Forbes website.
0: Okay, great, great.
1: Just to avoid any confusion.
0: Now, do you have a name of your column uh, or uh, your articles?
1: Not really. I mean... if you just Google my name, mm-hmm. you should be able to find it pretty easily.
0: Okay. Very yep. good. Yep. Well, we're glad you could be here and share with our listeners a little bit more about blockchain and blockchain technology and what's going on in the industry. So, so can you tell us a little bit about the article that you're working on right now with Forbes?
1: Yes. I'm actually, right now I'm working on an article about um, regulatory developments, the top regulatory developments of 2019 um obviously there were a lot of different i mean there were there are many many things that took place in 2019 particularly in china and also in the united states there are a lot of key developments however i was basically just trying to drill down to like you know the top five most important ones for the top five most interesting ones
0: okay yeah Can i, I do any interesting ones with us
1: <laughs> oh sure well i mean all the stuff that took place in china like you know them like issuing a risk warning and that, that you know, they went and investigated, you know, crypto, you know, businesses involved with what they referred to as virtual currencies. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you know, Waibo, the uh, the social media platform banned the accounts of Binance and Tron. And the country is working, you know, the country's working hard to create a central bank digital currency. And uh, you know, the, the Prime Minister of China said that we need you know it's important to seize the opportunity presented by blockchain
0: oh, okay good well that's news. so then that's a big one so uh creating a central bank of cryptocurrency in china
1: um a set more specifically a central bank digital currency so another way of putting this is uh it's a fiat digital currency okay yes so instead of being like bitcoin like bitcoin Uh, you know, doesn't have a central authority. You know, it's basically run by a bunch of people with computers. Whereas the central bank digital currency, if China had a central bank digital currency, that would be run by the central bank of China. They'd be able, I I think at this point, the whole idea is they want to uh, issue units of uh, their their digital fiat currency that are backed up by the yuan. So it's not like they're creating new money. Like Bitcoin basically created new money. Whereas um, China's, as far as I know right now, China plans, does not plan to create any new money. They, they want to replace, I believe, to like traditional fiat currency with a digital currency.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was reading that they uh, want to get rid of the cash. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's funny because I've heard about this lately and I'm like, well, you know, this might be a bad news, I guess, for people in the black market but I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be the end of the world for anybody else.
0: Right, right,
1: But most people
0: are digital anyway, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's more like me just making a joke though. I mean, obviously, I think that having a central bank digital currency could be extremely useful. I mean, it would be a very fast way. I mean, it would go a long way to help, uh, you know, a nation have a far better sense of how much money it actually has in the economy. You know, where is it, what is it doing? You know, so, and I, I mean, some people obviously are major advocates of privacy and they don't really like that idea, but from from the perspective of a nation, I think they're far, I mean, if I were, you know, China, if I were the nation of China, I'd be far more interested in what could I, you know, what how could I use that information to in effectively implement policies, you know, to cheap whatever, you know, to help pursue whatever agenda I have, like an economic and financial policy agenda. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so uh, as far as the hot topic for January 2020 in blockchain, is this it? Is this the topic or do we have a,
1: from your experience? Well, I would say, I mean, I can't read other people's minds, but I, I will say that I think central bank digital currencies are very interesting. And not only are they very interesting, but I mean, if a major economy like China rolls out a central bank digital currency, that is going to be A huge endorsement for the entire digital currency industry and as more countries uh, Work on and roll out digital currencies. I just think it's gonna give the entire idea of digital currency um, Greater and greater credibility And uh, I mean for example China rolls this out I mean, this is like that could be like years worth of progress that we make on our own and by we I mean people in You know the crypto space
0: right yeah. Right, and so uh, as far as the uh, you know the bill proposed in the U.S., uh, the Cryptocurrency Act of twenty twenty, uh, is brand new. Uh, it's it's a proposed bill. Do you are you writing on anything uh, with that?
1: Not currently. I mean, uh-huh. I've definitely seen the headlines about how it was proposed in the House of Representatives, but I mean, until it actually, I mean, Congress is kind of notorious for uh, being a quagmire where uh, <laughs> hopefully something will get done. So if something does get done, if they do find a way to agree on something that they can pass, then yeah. great. Uh, you know That will be a completely different ball of wax than having a bill that's been proposed in the House of Representatives.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, and and with China, uh, what did they have, uh, what, four or five times more of the population than the US too.
1: Uh, so, they have yeah they have a significantly larger one sure yeah so are you, are you getting at more users is that what you mean well yeah more adoption no okay uh, right okay sure more
0: adoption so um and uh so then let's so that brings us then let's talk a little bit about uh cryptocurrencies and blockchain uh with uh the possibility then you know with it becoming more mainstream in china um can you explain to our listeners that may not have ever heard of or still have questions about what is blockchain?
1: Absolutely. Okay. So the blockchain is a distributed ledger system. And uh, the first blockchain was rolled out for Bitcoin. And the whole idea was that the Bitcoin's blockchain kept track of every single Bitcoin transaction that ever took place. And the blockchain that, that distributed ledger was both decentralized, meaning it was, you know, it was spread across all many different computers and it's also immutable. So once a transaction's on there, you can't get rid of it, which is designed to I mean, a couple things. It's supposed to safeguard against fraud. And also another thing is it's supposed to hone in on a singular version of truth. Uh, a transaction is binary. It either happens or it didn't. So... And not only that, but also in, in addition to having, you know, a distributed ledger that, you know, is immutable and hones in a sing- on a singular version of the truth, the transactions that take place are also publicly available. Yeah. So be- because of all this, I mean, this is, you know, it provides transparency. And once again, it you know, it helps eliminate problems like fraud, basically. I mean, it's supposed to be a trustless system. And what I mean by a, i mean a trustless system is that, uh, I mean, so originally Bitcoin was, it's a trans, you know, a Bitcoin transaction is one person sending money from their Bitcoin wallet to another Bitcoin wallet, and it's a trustless system, and it, it this doesn't have to go through a bank or the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I think a lot of transactions that people make, like if they use PayPal, for example, are pretty straightforward but from what i've heard if people want to send remittances like if they want to send money to say like relatives they have in other nations it can be very expensive and time consuming Mm -hmm. and all i mean also it's yeah so um see i think i might have gotten a little bit off track for a second
0: no that's fine it's it's good so it's a, a with bitcoin it's an open source public ledger uh, decentralized or distributed ledger. Yes. And uh, now with central banking, uh, the idea, let's say that China does uh, have uh, central banking cryptocurrency, that they do uh, implement that, then do you think they'll use a public ledger or a public blockchain or a private blockchain?
1: In uh, I your think opinion. In- I mean, considering just my perception in China, I think they're going to use a private ledger. Um, uh. I think that they have a very uh, strong tendency toward control, which I think is why some people are nervous about the fact that they want to roll out a central bank digital currency because, I mean, they're, they're just worried about you know, how much privacy are people going to have when they're making their transactions. And I mean, some people simply believe that privacy is a basic human right. I mean, just because I mean, just because you want privacy doesn't mean you have you have anything to hide. I guess right. it, is what a lot of people feel like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, with as far as the um, central bank, even in the U.S., if they were to roll out cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. I think any organization is going to use a private uh, blockchain. All right? So if they're going to name their own crypto,
1: maybe, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say because I mean, obviously there, there are costs and benefits associated with everything mm-hmm. and while using the private, you know, the private blockchain or actually, I mean, some people feel like if it's private, it's not even a blockchain. So I guess in that case, I mean, if you wanted us just, it's the same thing either way, but if you want to call it, say like a private distributed ledger, I mean that, I mean, that, that could be helpful in that, you know, for the, for the government and that they've got the information, but it's not necessarily out there for everyone. The thing is they might have a hard time getting people to actually accept it and use it and not try to find ways to circumvent it if they don't use a public blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. So I I guess what I'm getting at is is just, there's, there's costs and benefits. There's going to be costs and benefits either way.
0: Yeah so then why would somebody um benefit from buying cryptocurrency rather than continuing to work with the dollar
1: why would somebody benefit from buying cryptocurrency do you mean as in they want to use it themselves or as an investment because yeah, let's, I mean,
0: let's talk about uh how about we go to so you have um you're holding eos yep So let's talk about EOS real quick as an example. It's one of the top five or top seven cryptocurrencies. Um, So tell us why would you, why do you benefit from holding
1: EOS? Okay. Your perception. uh, EOS in particular, I'd like to address this in a more generalized manner. And I'd also like to note uh, a disclaimer. And that is that if I write about a digital currency, uh, I mean, I usually buy it first, so that okay, way uh, it, uh, you know, I, I it, well, as long as I can get it through Coinbase, for example, because I mean that's that's what I've been using. Yeah. I mean, there there are some digital currencies that I would buy if I could get them through Coinbase, but yes,
0: right.
1: Uh, let me actually let me rephrase. If I write market reports about a digital currency, I usually try to own it first. Okay. Yeah. And that way uh, it's basically, so I, I say, okay, I buy it and then I put it at the bottom of my Forbes article that says, I own the following digital currencies. So that way they, the thing is I don't really trade actively. I have done that before, but these days, like if something happens in the markets, you know, I don't get paid to trade. I get paid to write articles. Right. so if right. something happens in the art in the markets then i need to go and write there's a lot of times i need to go and write an article you know yeah. that's what i need to do now instead of going to my you know my account and you know trying to make some money by by actually exe- executing some trades
0: right right yes well and so holding uh holding cryptocurrency not trading it has some benefits and absolutely uh, for the future value uh so a lot of people are comparing it to the stock market. What do you think about that?
1: A lot of people are comparing what to the stock market?
0: Holding cryptocurrencies as if they're holding
1: stocks. Well, I mean, they're both assets in that they both you can buy them both on an exchange, and they rise and fall in value, and then you can sell them later. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else the, the analogy is there. I mean, some people have just dis- have referred to digital currencies as being similar to penny stocks. Yeah. Some of them, uh, I guess, yeah I think a lot of that is just that if they have a smaller uh, total market capitalization, it makes it easier for, for example, large traders to push the va- their value either higher or lower. So, mm-hmm. because, you know the, the digital currency market is very small compared to, for example, the stock market. It's like David and Goliath. Well, actually, that 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 wouldn't even that probably doesn't even come close to describing. <laughs> no. Yeah.
0: What do we have? Like two uh, to four percent of the population that's actually invested in cryptocurrencies right now. I think. Uh,
1: that might, I don't know. It might be kind of hard to know because somebody could have could hold uh, privacy coins like Monero, and that's kind of the ideas we're not supposed to know.
0: Oh, that's true, that's true. So, yeah. um, well, you mentioned Monero, so for our listeners, uh, we haven't talked about that at all throughout the series. Uh, can you explain what, what that is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's one of the go-to privacy-oriented digital currencies. I mean, I would say some of the biggest ones are Monero and Zcash, and as far as I know right now, Monero has succeeded in grabbing far more market share than Zcash has. So it's it's uh, I mean, it's a privacy privacy oriented digital digital currency, um, basically. Yeah, it, it was like the dominant digital currency of the dark web. Although I do remember seeing some headlines about different dark web marketplaces getting uh being brought down by uh authorities
0: uh, and so do they offer monero on coinbase i don't think it's uh something that you can buy on coinbase right maybe <laughs> yeah well we can we can look at that uh
1: yeah no so i i will i will say right here and now i do not own that digital currency yeah um, <laughs> plausible deniability how's that sound yeah. I, well,
0: a lot of people don't know what the dark web is. is that what we're talking.
1: Yeah. No. I mean. Uh, I mean. The thing is, one of my friends just described the dark web as you can a place where you can buy you know anything else you can buy in other places. It's just you'll have privacy. Yeah. But, is that uh, like
0: uh, when I hit incognito on my on my browser?
1: I don't know. I th- I think that might be a little bit different.
0: <laughs> it might be different. <laughs> yeah. So much technology, huh, Charles?
1: <laughs> a lot, like you said, information information overload in our society.
0: We really are, we really are, we have a lot of information. Now, uh, so uh, what's the latest project you're working on, latest article, Uh, you have any good snippets you can share with us that's gonna be going into Forbes so they can hear it right here, cutting edge?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I I went over, already I mentioned the, the article I'm working on about regulatory developments. Yeah, yeah,
0: any other regulatory developments? I
1: know it's a <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Libra, for example.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I
1: mean, who knows whether or not that's actually going to get anywhere. I mean, right. they might, you know, I, I mean, if the United States regulators say, you know, we're going to ban you and then people in Germany and France also say, we're going to ban you I mean, these are some of the world's largest economies. Right. I mean, so it's like, okay, well, maybe they can run this, this thing and have it work, just operate in certain countries, mm. but I don't know. I mean, the thing is, it's just, from what I understand, it's just there's so little trust in Facebook. Maybe I shouldn't say there's so little trust, but I mean, you know, a bunch of people in the house grilled Mark Zuckerberg and supposedly lectured him for hours on end. And he yeah. even made jokes about his haircut, which is clearly has nothing to do with digital currency. Last time I, no, saw. no, yeah. So, so yeah,
0: real quick, what's the difference between Libra and uh, cryptocurrency? Uh, let's say Bitcoin.
1: Well, Bitcoin and Libra are completely different. I mean, Bitcoin, yeah. is, Bitcoin is uh, at least designed to be decentralized. It's supposed to be something be something that takes place outside of governments and also financial institutions libra is more like a proposed payment system which i mean they're claiming they would use to help the unbanked that that's what they're saying but i mean there are concerns about it i'm supposed to be run by the libra association which i think originally had 28 members and then like seven of them it all announced right around the same time that they were leaving before they even signed the charter of the Libra Association. And Vodafone left the Libra Association. So at, at this point, I'd have to go check and see exactly how many members they even have left. And if it's 20 companies that are actually running the Libra Association, that doesn't necessarily sound particularly decentralized. It sounds kind of, I mean, it's antithetical to you know the the principles behind Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is a different animal.
0: Yeah. So then uh, Libra would be a payment system for Facebook, which is a centralized database.
1: Well, actually, um, I mean, Facebook has been involved, but it's supposedly run by the Libra Association, which is composed of members. Facebook is one of those members. Okay. So Facebook is has been at least trying to set it up so that they are taking themselves out of it, at least partially. Okay. You know, they're involved, but they're not running it. I think that's the, the impression they're trying to get. I mean, they're trying to they're I think that's the impression they're trying to give. But
0: yeah, certainly that's what I thought uh yeah. just from hearing on the news and and that might be the main misconception, but uh you know, it may not even go off the ground.
1: So yeah, it may not get off the ground or it may get off the ground and it may just be that nobody wants to use it. I no. mean, think about it. It's like, okay, so there are all these people who are like. Hashtag delete Facebook, you know, they, they were like delete Facebook. They're taking my personal information or like, I remember hearing stories of people were like, they'd put a picture of them on Facebook and then it ended up, it ended up in Times Square. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) That
0: is, yeah, definitely uh, using everybody's personal data for sure. So. So anyway, um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think? Uh, you mentioned you were holding Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So, what do you see the future of money? Do you see the future of money, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash?
1: I think they're going to be a part of it. But yeah. when you mentioned the future of money. I mean, obviously enough, it's, it's difficult to you know make predictions that turn out accurately. However, it sounds like you'd like to give me, you'd like me to give it my best shot. So give right your best now, shot in your opinion, yeah. Okay, sure. So Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, I think they can absolutely be a part of it. But if all these central banks uh, proceed to roll out central bank digital currencies, then I feel like you know, if China rolls out its own central bank digital currency, the entire monetary value of its, you know, of its fiat currency is going to dwarf the value of Bitcoin. And it's going to dwarf the value of Bitcoin Cash. Okay. So it's a question of, like, what is going to happen in the coming years with the central banks. Uh, it doesn't sound like the United States federal government is really interested in, you know, adopting uh, digital currencies. It's like, from what I understand, they might look into it, but it just seems like several important figures have basically said they don't really think that they need, like, a digital United States dollar. Mm, okay. And they, They may they may very well be right. So if that continues, then the United States dollar should continue, will continue to be a major part of, you know, the the global foreign exchange market, if you will. Then as, as now Bitcoin is the world's largest digital currency right now by market capitalization. Now you've got all these other digital currencies. We don't necessarily know how much how you know whether they're going to survive. There's only one way of finding out. And if you think about it, a lot of these like smaller ones have been, you know, basically created and distributed by startup companies. Now, history tells us that more than ninety percent of startup companies fail; they go under.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's only a matter of time, I think, before I mean, I mean, I mean, I think there's already digital currencies that are out there where they don't really have any development. I mean, people can right. trade it basically as a speculative asset, but There's Um, no legit development going on.
0: And so uh, what's your opinion about the USDC, which is the United States dollar coin? They're calling it a stable
1: coin. Do you have an opinion? uh, I don't. I'm going to refrain from providing an opinion on this one. Okay. (laughs) Actually, is there something that I I can add? Um, Sure. Okay. So you asked me about holding different digital currencies. And you yeah. asked me, okay, so I, instead of getting into individual digital currencies and why people should hold an individual digital currency, which I don't really want to do, I'd like to provide some uh, more like uh, broader concepts that people can benefit from. Perfect. So, so one of them is that Bitcoin and other digital currencies generally have not had a, have, or should have generally frequently not had a co- correlation to other asset classes. There's actually a white paper that was created by Chris Bernisky and I believe the other co-author was named Adam White. I think it was called Ringing the Bell for a New Asset Class and this came out years ago. This was probably like 2016. Okay. Yes. And he basically just went through um you know market history for different assets and found that you know Bitcoin you know does not have a you know it doesn't really have much of a a correlation to other assets which means that people can use it to diversify their portfolios or at the very least they can you know consider it as a means of diversifying their portfolios yeah now another thing is that um there's something called asymmetric risk and now if i'm going to take the you know the the industry terminology out of that if you will of the jargon really all that means is that if you put a small amount of your total portfolio into digital currencies you know whether it be bitcoin ether bitcoin cash you know XRP, right. whatever works for you then the value of that money that you put in your portfolio might skyrocket Mm-hmm. How, and the thing is, like, let's say you put three percent of your your money of your portfolio's digital currencies. The worst thing that can happen is you lose three percent of your portfolio. It's not a huge loss, but right. if you know we get some of the returns we've had, between, you know, for example, over the last decade, at least at some points, the money in the portfolio, at least that money that you put into digital currencies, uh, it could skyrocket. It's yeah. Could skyrocket. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you. Thank yep. you for your opinion on that. And so, um, do you? So, do you have any advice on how our listeners can thrive in this innovative economy? You just said put a little
1: three percent.
0: Would would that be your advice then, or no? You know, you're not a financial okay. advisor.
1: Ah, uh, yes. No, there we go. I'm glad <laughs> you put that up. The thing
0: is, when you you're back, a writer. You're you need a writer.
1: Your advice, and I'm like, uh oh, here comes. <laughs> no. Yes. Okay. Uh, for anybody listening to this. I'm not a financial advisor. No. Nothing I say represents financial advice. Anything That's right. I say is either education or my point of view. That's That's it. right. Okay. That's what
0: this is. So, it's an educational series.
1: Yes. Okay. So you mentioned how can people thrive in the current, um, in the innovative economy? Yes. Okay. Well, I feel like there are, I mean, we live in a world where there's a lot of options. It's not like this is some other time period where, you the only job you could get was down the street at the factory, and the only way you were getting in was because you knew someone, or you know, you fill out an application, and they eventually got your application and let you in the door. This is 2020. There are tons of options. and I feel like um, what you referred to as the innovative economy provides us with even more options. Um, there's a ton of information out there, and using that information, people can potentially create new things. And create new things or they don't even have to create new things in order to benefit from them i mean if there's a digital currency out there or a blockchain technology that you feel passionate about there's probably there's probably many different ways that you could be involved right yeah excellent right using
0: yes. using cryptocurrency
1: yeah right right well i'm saying like uh, digital currency is one of the i mean one of the things that a person can get involved in, if they want to get involved there's a lot of different ways that they can get involved at this point.
0: yeah well thank you thank you Charles and uh, so do you have uh, an offer where our listeners can find your publications
1: oh yes absolutely so if anybody would like to read more of my stuff or just check out my background they could go to my Forbes author page just google my name Charles Bobard. Or they could go to my CoinDesk page, or yeah. Or if they want to see my stuff on stocks and bonds, information like that, they could look me up on Investopedia.
0: Excellent. Well, and we'll provide a link uh, to your pages as well, so uh, everybody will receive the uh, the links and and find your information. And wow, time just flies by. This has been fun. Thank you so much, Charles, for being on the. Innovative Economy Educational Series. And glad you could join us today and uh, wish you a great rest of the day. And thank you all for joining us. So have a good day. We'll talk to you soon, bye.